Live from the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. And just before the long weekend, although it seems like a long weekend every day in some ways, we're sitting at home. It's it's very different. It does not feel like it's going to be a Memorial Day weekend, even though I think some people are headed to the beaches and stuff because of the relaxing of the rules. Yeah. I also think people are headed out to the desert, and I've heard that as well. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm no, not sure stay that away. anything is stay really away. open for them to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure anything is really open for them to do. So it really I don't isn't. think any restaurants are open. Or Well, they're open, I, but they're serving curbside still. Right, curbside. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, you can't I, go yeah. dine in yet. Yeah. I think that that's not going to happen until sometime after the 1st. Yeah, so it's. Um, I mean, it's the same here in, in Los Angeles. Everything is a is a takeout or pickup from the curbside. Same sort of thing. Well, uh, let's start in with a little bit of news. Uh, we, we, by the way, you and I have got a lot of bring a trailer things to do this this week. So it might even take the second whole, whole second hour, but oh we will my. see. <laughs> uh, let's see. Reuters is reporting that Tesla and CATL. This is this Chinese company. The name is actually Contemporary Empirics. Technology Limited, CATL, have come up with a million-mile battery that will use less or no cobalt, which is the most expensive element in a lithium-ion battery, uh, that will drive the costs of EVs to reach parity with gasoline uh, vehicles. And Tesla's scheduled to announce uh, the breakthrough at its upcoming battery day, which keeps getting rescheduled, by the way, because, you know, it keeps getting pushed back. You know, Elon has said it's going to be either – you know, it's going to be virtual and some in person, and now it's it keeps getting pushed back as things you know are are reevaluated. So it's scheduled right now for at the end of May. Obviously, that's not going to happen, and so it's going to be pushed down into June, as far as I can tell. And it's either going to be in California or Texas. Now, I'm betting on Texas since Austin is almost certainly the new site for Tesla's new factory to produce the Model Y and the Cybertruck. Uh, the Model 3 will be the first vehicle to receive the new battery technology uh, in China. Eventually, the higher-density, uh, lower-cost battery will make its way to other Tesla vehicles in other markets, including the United States. Uh, Tesla's battery partner in China, CATL, uh, will be actually doing the production, not Panasonic, who does the batteries here uh, in Nevada. Uh, so, allegedly, CATL has created uh, a less expensive and simpler battery packaging scheme called cell to pack that reduce that reduces the weight and cost and uses no cobalt. And this is all not have been confirmed, but this is what Reuters is saying. Um, put it all together with the advances in power density and you get a cheaper battery with the same range at a cost that's near the, the magical level we're told is that it's a hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. So if you have a hundred kilowatt hour battery, it would be $10,000 and that would put the car at parity with the gasoline engine with, you know, with the, you know, all the regular, um, internal combustion parts. I think that uh, so the company's the logo point. should have like a longhorn or something because uh, then they could just call themselves cattle. C A T L. Yeah, well, it's it's an it's an odd sounding name, especially when you can you know contemporary empirics, uh, technology limited. So it, it's a it's a little odd sounding. Or if you made it a uh, C wonder- sharp, then you could call it C Addle. <laughs> well, I'm, Seattle would like that if there was a factory there, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, 
Uh, let's see. London's mayor, Sadiq Khan, uh, plans to turn parts of central London into uh, one of the world's largest car-free zones. Uh, the move is in response to the ongoing uh, pandemic. Uh, Transportation for London, TFL, the city's transportation transportation agency said car-free zones would help enable social distancing on public transit. Uh, With streets closed to cars, more people would be encouraged to ride their bikes or walk instead of crowding onto buses or subways. Uh, That's at least the reasoning. Khan said that the uh, public transit uh, should be used when absolutely necessary and that everyone who uh, can walk from home must continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Uh, to limit public transit use within the center, city center, workers are being encouraged to complete their journeys from commuter rail stations by bike or on foot rather than on bus or subway. Uh, the buses will be allowed in some car-free zones, but others will be reportedly closed entirely to vehicular traffic. Um, could something like this ever happen in New York, Chicago, or L.A. or Atlanta? Uh, it's possible. I've uh, you know, for years heard that they there's advocates who want to close a bunch of streets in downtown Los Angeles to cars and make it all walking and biking and everything would go around it. So we'll see. But there are certainly parts of Los Angeles that that could happen to. So it will be interesting to see. Yep. Um, one of the things that uh, is coming up next week, apparently next week is – going to be dropping the most important, uh, uh, you know, Jay Leno does his car show on, uh, on, uh, CNBC and it's also on, uh, you know, online, you can see it at Jay Leno's garage. Uh, he's doing, a, an entire show on the Tesla Cybertruck and he's got Elon there with the Cybertruck itself and Jay gets to actually drive the Cybertruck and they discuss all the various things that are going to maybe change and it's going to be 5% smaller and they're going to make sure it fits in a regular garage because I guess he's got some people saying it won't fit in their garage. So there's going to be a bunch of new things that are going to be introduced during this video. They had a little teaser online that, that dropped today. Uh, but that will be on CNBC sometime next week for Jay Leno's Garage. It'll be the Cybertruck edition. And my guess is, is it will break all of their records, especially uh, for online views. Let's see. Uh, London will also says, says they want to reinstate their uh, congestion charge beginning this week. Uh, following its ultra-low emissions zone next month, followed by the ultra-low emissions zone next month. The congestion charge will increase to 15 pounds, which is approximately $18, uh, and hours of operations will be extended uh, June 22nd, running from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. Car-free zones will accommodate emergency vehicles and people with disabilities, although some deliveries may be uh, done outside the congestion uh, charge hours. This could go a long way to killing the iconic London taxis. So we don't know what's going to happen to those, even though they, we've been told I don't want some them, of them to get rid of those taxis. That's one of the cool character things about that area. It is definitely, but uh, I've seen I've seen. I've seen electric versions of them, and I think that you're going to start seeing that. I think you're going to see the whoever makes those cars simply take like a Nissan Leaf and and rebody it with the you know the, the appropriate body for the London taxi. Uh, I've been rewatching the uh, Sherlock, uh, you know the, uh, the the British series with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin uh, Freeman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know they're it's it's you know it's modern day London and they always get in one of the black cabs so it's 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 you know I would very much miss if they didn't have that in London Mr. one way or, or another not whether Mr. it's an internal combustion engine or whether it's an electric car uh, I would very much miss seeing that in London you know um, 
tell uh, you, Sir Doyle. Yeah, go was, ahead. His birthday was actually yesterday. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yep. I didn't know that, and I'm busy watching yep. Sherlock his again. His birthday was it's on gonna, Friday. Wow. Well, okay. And I was watching, <laughs> and I was watching Sherlock. There you go. Uh, I do love that series, though. It's it's very very well done. If anybody hasn't seen it, um, a Toyota this week introduced two new hybrids. First, they introduced the 2021 Sienna minivan, and for the first time, it's it's actually kind of cool looking minivan as far as that goes. Uh, it will be only hybrid, so there will be no other type of you know it won't just get a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the regular version. There's only going to be sold the hybrid version. Please tell uh, me. It will, please tell me it doesn't look like the average ugly soccer mom mobile. No, it it actually gets quite a bit of of style to it, including you know rear fenders that flare out. So it's kind of interesting. Ooh. Um, well, it is. Well, okay. No, it's I mean, still a minivan with, my with sliding doors and out. stuff. But it is kind of cool. Um, there's no, they don't say whether there's going to be an all wheel drive version, uh, because there right now is there's an all wheel drive version of the Sienna minivan. Uh, but it does have 18 cup holders and seven USB ports. Uh, it gets a digital rear view mirror that will be available, uh, depending on the trim level. And it'll have a large center dash display of 11.6 inches. Uh, you can opt for a 1200 watt sound system and onboard Wi-Fi. Expect the prices to start around $32,000. Uh, the second uh, uh, car that Toyota announced this week is the Venza. Uh, several years back, they made a Venza, which is essentially a Toyota Camry wagon, a little bit lifted higher. Well, that went away about five years ago, and now it's coming back. I'll go, this time it's going to be on the new uh, uh, Toyota platform that they use for almost all their cars, including the Prius uh, and the Camry. Uh, and it's going to uh, be a, a hybrid car only, and it's going to be all-wheel drive only. And it's basically another tall station wagon with seating for five. And what they did is they want they wanted to sort of split the difference between the Toyota RAV4, which is a little bit smaller, and the Highlander, which is a little bit bigger. And the Highlander has three rows of seats, and then you can only get two rows of seats in the Venza. So that sort of slots right in the middle there. So in case you were looking for any size SUV, don't worry. They will have it available for you. But uh, yeah, all-wheel drive only. Expects for prices to start around $30,000. Uh, Toyota wants to elect electrify 100% of its lineup uh, to achieve 25% of its sales as hybrids by 2025. And when they say electrify, they don't actually mean that it's going to be a battery electric vehicle. It mean, they mean hybrid is what they're going to do. But what's interesting about that, when they, when they say 2025, it means they're actually going to hybridize their pickup trucks as well. So there's going to be a new Toyota Tacoma and a new uh, Toyota uh, what's the big one? Um, Toyota. It's, it's escaping me. But there's the two sizes. There's the there's the medium size and the large size uh, pickup trucks. Uh, for the first time ever, they're going to be on one platform. So I don't know how they're going to do that because almost always the pickup trucks were separated with different platforms for the different sizes. So they're going to make it on one platform and they're going to build them all in San Antonio, is my understanding. Um, so, uh, but they'll actually then have a hybrid version of both their large and uh, medium-sized pickup trucks. 
which I think is kind of interesting because no one's offering one yet. We know there's going to be a Ford uh, F-150 hybrid, but we don't know uh, who else is going to make a hybrid version of their pickup trucks. They're also going to be all electric versions of the pickup trucks. We know that for Ford will have an electric F-150, uh, Chevy and GMC will have electric versions, and of course, you know, the uh, Hummer by GMC will be all electric as well. Will those, uh, Todd, will those be any cheaper? Than- no. No. No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, that these are, first of all, the pickup trucks have to have big batteries and the yeah. batteries are expensive. I know GM says that they're going to have, you know, price uh, coming down dramatically with their new battery factory and with their new Altium, which is their new, what they call their new battery. Uh, they say it's going to be, um, I think it's built in, it's going to be built in Ohio uh, outside of where Lordstown was. So they're I'd like a to get a factory there. I'd like to get a uh, truck. With their battery partner. I'd like to get a truck, You'd but like I do not. I don't want to pay seventy five thousand dollars for a truck. Well, you can still get a truck for much less than that. But if you want electric, my guess is they're going to start in the fifty thousand dollar range. That's ridiculous. That's like a small mortgage. Bargains. People will, will line up for any big pickup truck and pay seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollars. They will do it. You're listening to Todd Bianco and John McBollum. This is all revved up on iHub Radio, and we'll be right back. From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hello, Todd. Um, California wants to force Uber and Lyft to have more electric cars. They do. They do, they indeed. They want to force the company to do a lot of things. And while I love California, and I also like most of the stuff about uh, Lyft, if not Uber, um, I do think that it's quite onerous that uh, the state is telling businesses how to do their business. Well, actually, they're not doing. They're not going to tell them what to buy or when to buy it. They're going to just give them charges based on how much the the cars are polluting. And if you have an electric car, none of the miles are counted. So it's kind of interesting. According to California uh, data released last year. 39% of ride-hailing trips are what they call deadhead miles. Those that with just the driver heading from one end of one trip back home or perhaps beginning of another trip. Right. Uh, but it's, it's you know, in other words, there's not a rider in their cars for 39% of the time that they're on the road. Um, so if you figure that, 
uh, the current uh, ride-hailing fleet together, the average trip on Uber or Lyft creates 50% of more harmful air emissions than the average car trip. So as environmental groups have argued, with the disruption comes responsibility to grow by encouraging zero emissions vehicles uh, and do so in a way that's sustainable and economically viable for the drivers. Uh, the method CARB is uh, the California Air Resources Board is proposing uh, isn't dictating any models for ownership. Uh, you know, amidst, and, you know, the city, uh, I mean, there's still a lawsuit pending between the state and Uber and Lyft over the labor law violations. So that's still going on. But uh, it will have a higher standard for each for the large tech companies than for the smaller ones. Uber and Lyft dominate the market, according to the CARB. And the two companies combined cover 4.2 billion miles uh, versus 5.9 million miles for all smaller companies combined. Uh, it's proposing a 5 million mile threshold for exam for exemption, which frees the smaller companies and from all but the you know the data reporting, but leaves the option open for future uh, rivals. How would it work? Regulations will be focused primarily around the percent of what they call EVMT, electric vehicle miles traveled, counting only uh, miles covered by battery electric and fuel cell cars. Uh, partial uh, hybrid, uh, par partial, uh, you know, ones that are plug-in hybrids, plug-in hybrid vehicles. Right. So those, the gas, those don't get counted because it's impossible for them to know how much of that is on electric versus how much of that is on the gas. So those don't get counted. Only um, EVMT miles are going to be counted as sort of like your credit. So what they're, so the clean cars program will submit its proposal to the CARB uh, by the end of the year, network companies would then submit a two-year plan by January 2022, but the first compliance year for the new standard would be 2023. And I saw a chart here that said that 95% of the drivers travel less than uh, 250 miles a day, 90% of the drivers travel less than 200 miles, miles a day, and the TNC drivers willing to charge 90 minutes per day, which I'm not sure exactly what TNC, but some sort of a... Uh, you know, people who don't drive as much. I'm not sure what it is, but they just call them TNC drivers. Uh, but um, but basically, most of that, between 90 and 95% of the drivers don't travel more than 200 miles a day. Uh, so under the preliminary strategies, CARB would bring the percentage of EVMT from an estimated 5% in 2023 that that's what they want. They want you you to hit five percent of the miles, but in 2023, up to either 32 or 51 percent by 2030. Uh, the lower emissions from 250 grams per uh, passenger mile traveled today to between 38.4 and 68.6 grams in 2030. Overall, the strategies could raise the number of zero emission vehicles uh, actively used in ride hailing to 400,000 by 2030. Uh, there's likely to be some revisiting done in light of the pandemic. Uh, the state was planning to promote the use of pooled trips through its compliance uh, calculations, but all pooling has been suspended indefinitely, indefinitely for both, both Uber and Lyft, and uh, current events might change the long-term assumptions. Officials also pointed out that the closure of GM's Maven, Maven was uh, their own little car, uh, car ride-sharing service, uh, which Nobody even knew about it. Nobody took, but they closed it. Uh, so, it, and, and they were using the Chevy Bolt in some of those cases. 
but it was such a small number that it just really didn't seem any to, to make any difference. So, so they're not, uh, they're not going to count anything like that. And they're, you know, they, they realize that some of these things are going to go out of business too, uh, the smaller ones. We think Uber and Lyft are going to be around, but even they, uh, my understanding is their business is off by 60% now uh, in the state. Well, yeah, because you, you, I yeah. Would imagine everywhere because you can't, you know, hail a uh, Uber or Lyft for, you know, getting around. You can't be in them. Yeah. So you, I'm hearing I mean, about. You can, still, you can still find some around here in Los Angeles, but, it, you know, it's, they're getting harder to find. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not supposed to be and driving. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a tough, you know, it's tough to see how they're going to do it, but it, it's dramatically down for everybody. So anybody who was driving for Uber and Lyft, it's way down to begin with. So they're going to have to sort of balance everything together to see when this all comes back. You're listening to Todd Bianco and John McBowen. This is all wrapped up on iHub Radio, and we'll be right back. From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John. John. Hello. And Porsche had a digital reveal for the 2021 911 Targa 4 and Targa 4S for the latest generation of the 911s. It's called the 992. That's their internal designation. It's, of course, stunning and easily easily the best-looking 911. The Targa 4 starts at 119300 including uh, delivery charges. Uh, the, Targa, the Targa 4S starts at a a mere two one hundred and thirty-five thousand two hundred. Oh my god! So I managed to go online and I built the one, of course, that I would want, and it came to one hundred and seventy-five thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars. Once you put the options, that half of them should be standard. Well, you're a bargain uh, shopper. Yes, a bargain shopper. I, this is this is the one I would kill for. This is the nine eleven. If I had to choose one, this would be it. The nine eleven uh, Targa. Four and Targa 4S. The, the Targa top, if you've never seen the Targa top go up and down, it is a stunning ballet. And it is just an amazing piece of a mechanical engineering. It's got a glass, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's got a regular roll bar and this whole glass roof sort of comes up and slides down into the back. It's, it's kind of fun to watch the entire thing. So what ends up coming off is just the, the top of the car between the roll bar and the windshield and the glass window and back remains, but the whole thing lifts up for the roof to sort of, you know, that one piece of rectangle to slide back under and, and stow itself. But it's, it's, you know, it's worth just watching online to see the, to see it do its uh, little, little show. Um, we are going to talk about some cars that 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 are going to become future classics. Uh, I found this where on on the lines online somewhere, but I, I I liked what they said, and I thought it would be good to sort of go over some of them. Um, and this is done alphabetically, so we're going to start with Aston Martin, 
and they say that the Aston Martin Vantage AMR, uh, one could argue that the Vantage AMR is going to be collectible because Aston is only making 200 of them. Uh, but it would be a collector's item even if the number were larger. The car is special. The AMR is about 200 pounds lighter than the standard Vantage and has um, and has for power a hand-built Mercedes-AMG 4-liter twin-turbo V8 that gets 503 horsepower and 491 pound-feet of torque, propelling it from 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds and on its way to 195 mile-per-hour top speed. It's really a lovely it's, – it's lovely to look at. Almost every Aston Martin is good to look at, and this one is particularly stunning. The uh, Audi RS6 Avant. Now, what that is is a, it's a A6 wagon that's been given their hot rod version, that, you know, because – the Audi has two levels of hot. Uh, one is the like if you have an A6, then the next level up as far as performance would be the S6. But the really hot version would be the RS6. So this is an RS6 Avant, which means it's a wagon. Um, so what you know, the legendary RS6 arrives here actually in the United States for the first time. They've never sold one here. Uh, so the RS6 won't get a V10 like the previous version sold across, you know, in Europe. But with a 591 pound, um, horsepower, 590 pound-feet uh, and V8, uh, it's a four-liter twin-turbo Audi V8 that makes more power uh, anyway than the the V10 did. Uh, it's good for a 3.6-second sprint from zero to 60 and a top track speed of 155 miles per hour. Now, because there's so many of them, I mean, because no one's going to buy a wagon, there will be very, very few of these around. So it's easily going to be a, a collectible classic in the future. Um, the Bentley Mulsanne uh, 6.5 Special Edition. So after some 60 years, the uh, Bentley is finally saying goodbye to its 6.75 liter V8. Uh, the engine first debuted, believe it or not, in 1959, uh, Bentley S2. And it's base and in its basic form, it's basically it stayed the same all these years. So, <clears throat> and and the Mulsanne is their top of the line of uh, sedan. So it's going to be, you know, it's all going to be refurbished and redone again so that it's even more powerful and, you know, has the latest tech on it. But it's basically the same block that they've had for, you know, all these years, 60 years, essentially. Um, so to commemorate the making, it's going to be making 30 Mulsanne 6.75 editions. Bentley calls the limited edition the final act of a masterpiece of British automotive engineering and craftsmanship. There you go. They don't want to be, you know, bragging or anything like that. Uh, the BMW M3, uh, you can get a, a three series with a manual trans. You can't get a three series with a manual transmission anymore, but it's a poorly kept secret that the next gen M3 is going to have one. Uh, that alone could make a collectible. But wait, there's more. Uh, we hear that the twin turbo uh, six inline six cylinder engine is going to have three power levels. Pure trims get 444 horsepower, uh, like today's M3. Base uh, trim jumps up to 475 horsepower, and competition will round out to 500 horsepower. And if you can get it with a stick shift, there's not many of those left. So the next uh, M3, which is coming soon. Um, a Cadillac CT6V. 
So if you go online, you can still find a CTX, a CT6V for sale. Cadillac discontinued the CT6 at the beginning of this year. Uh, but, uh, you know, there weren't that many made and there weren't that many sold to begin with. The CT6V is, um, it gets a, it's a V8 with 550 horsepower, uh, 640 pound feet of torque and 3.8 seconds, zero to 60. Uh, it's, it's a brand new V8 that they did. It's called the 4.2 liter black wing, which I think is a terrific name. Uh, it's, uh, we don't know what they're going to do with it now because it's not on the Corvette and it's not in any other model. But, you know, we can't imagine that after all the money that GM spent to make this engine uh, that they only had it in a CT6V for, oh, I don't know, six months. Uh, that And they didn't sell that many of them. I, I can't imagine they're going to waste the engineering uh, for, you know, that V8 on not, you know, it's just going to sit on the shelf. Now, the, they say already the Corvette C8, which is the new Corvette, is an instant classic. So uh, the first mid-engine Corvette, it's the most important Corvette launch ever. Of course, it's going to be collectible no matter how many uh, Chevrolet builds. And don't forget, in March, Chevy uh, stopped taking orders for 2020 because of COVID-19. So it's an instant classic. Um the uh, Corvette C7, which is the last generation, uh, you can't go wrong with first and, and last, really. So this is the last front-engine Corvette. So um, you know, the thus the you know the first mid-engine is special, and so the last front-engine is also going to be uh, special. Uh, the C7 was rude and a bit crude, and uh, we loved it, and we will miss it. Uh, the, sp- you know, the, the Speedo might not get. Uh, might not might not be there you know the speedometer might not be there but you know it's it's not as fast as the one but uh, the new one but it's still it's a monster and it's a lot of fun to drive and it's got a gigantic v8 and it makes a lot of noise so i think people are going to still like it whether you get the z06 or the zr1 trims or whatever it is uh but they're going to be out there and you can still get them for a pretty good deal because you know they're, they haven't started to go up in price yet uh, the Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye Wide Body. You like that one? It's a mouthful. Uh, the Challengers uh, are at uh, you know the Challengers are the two the two door Charger basically. They look great uh, compared to the Camaro and the Mustang and are arguably more comfortable uh, in e- and you know easy driving. You know of course if you've got a uh, you know a gigantic engine it's a little bit fast but that's what people want. So if you um, if you go to the Hellcat, sometimes it has, you know, t- to see what's there, it has 717 horsepower, uh, which is quite a bit. Uh, so there's this uh, Hellcat Red Eye Wide Body that comes with 797 horsepower and 707 pound feet of torque, uh, and and it's got a chassis that can handle it. So there you go. So a Hellcat Red Eye, uh, it's going to be cherished for many years to come and uh, no doubt will be a, a classic. The current Shelby Mustang GT500, uh, it's the king of all Mustangs for, you know, for, for forever. It's, it's the, the most powerful one ever sold. Um, it'll be, uh, it's uh, described as it has a 5.2 liter supercharged V8, cranks out 760 horsepower and is mated to an excellent seven speed dual clutch. Uh, the car can hit 60 miles per hour in 3.5 seconds and has 180 mile per hour top speed more importantly the 500 the gt500 uh, excels away from the drag strip you can actually drive it on a normal road and have fun with it there too now here's one that's sort of a step down but still fun uh the honda uh, honda civic type r limited edition um what we have here is honda's mighty civic 
type R with 46 pounds removed from it and uh, more track-focused suspension. Uh, let's see, Honda built the limited edition for the track, hoping to reclaim the front drive a production car record around the uh, Nord- the uh, Nürburgring, uh, which is in Germany. Uh, that's the track that everybody tries to, you know, get the the, the, the uh, records on. Uh, if Honda can pull that off, the the car's future classic appeal would go up dramatically. And then there's this: Honda is making only a thousand examples, 600 for the U.S., 200 for Japan, 100 for Europe, and the last hundred for Canada. So people are already lining up to buy them if they're not already sold out. Uh, the Jaguar uh, F-Type SVR. Uh, it's, uh, like the Mercedes, uh, AMGs or BMW M's, the Jaguar special vehicle operations is always experimenting and tinkering and messing with things, trying to control the most out of the engines, cutting weight, uh, working on aerodynamic goods and all that kind of stuff. It has 575 horsepower, uh, and a 300, 3,950 pound curb weight, uh, with an active aero uh, the, the, you know, it, cl- it closes the, the, the front, um, uh, uh, radiator, uh, louvers so that it gets even better aerodynamics. Uh, and the F type SVR is the epitome of that lovely, gorgeous Jaguar. It is the ultimate expression of Jaguar. According to Jaguar, uh, the Jeep Gladiator, I know you're, no, you're going to be happy to hear that. The Jeep Gladiator is going to be an instant classic because people love that thing. It's the Jeep pickup truck. No question that it'll be. Uh, people will still want that from years to, years to come. Uh, the Kia Stinger, which not many people buy, but it's the rear drive uh, Kia four door. Uh, very good looking sedan, I think. The Stinger, you know, it's only, you know, maybe $40,000, which is a really good price for something that's basically a sports sedan. Um, it, you know, it, it's intriguing. It uh, certainly is, looks good. It's fast. It's fun. And not a lot of them are sold. So you can get them in a, with, you know, with a four-cylinder uh, turbocharged engine or a twin-turbo V6. I'm sure the twin-turbo V6 is the one that's, you know, the most likely to be uh, the fun one that people want later. Uh, a Mercedes E-Class wagon. Uh, they're not going to sell them anymore here in the United States. They're going to have some sort of, you know, lifted up version of it. But the old, uh, you know, reliable Mercedes uh, wagon uh, is going away this year and we're going to miss it. Um, see a Toyota Supra. Well, that's an interesting one on the list, uh, which is a the, the partnership with BMW and the Volkswagen uh, Golf Type R. That's their speedy little hatchback that only costs $40,000. Something to look for. There's not a lot of them out there. Uh, this is Todd Bianco. I'm here with John McMullen. You're listening to All Revved Up on iHub Radio, and we'll be right back. Weather, truth, and fun. We're iHub Radio, homegrown in the Coachella Valley. 
for the love of cars. This is All Revved Up. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. Uh, a week or two ago, I talked about something called V2G, Vehicle to Grid. And it's about basically your electric car, the battery inside of it can feed, you know, you recharge it from the grid, but you can also feed it back into the grid. And right now, there's no car that's doing it. And the Nissan Leaf is supposed to be able to do it. And Nissan is going to start doing something with it supposedly later this year. But... This interesting thing leaked out uh, this this week. Uh, Tesla quietly made the Model 3 and presumably the Model Y ready for bi-directional charging, which should enable some game-changing features in the near future. Uh, with the event of electric vehicles expected to increase the demand for electricity, uh, but electric cars can also offer some advantages by controlling the power load. A study showed that electric vehicle fleets could save billions of dollars with controllable load and with the vehicle to grid features, and it would enable the grid to optimize its use of renewable energy. Uh, the website electrek.co uh, learned that Tesla has already prepared its onboard charger for bi-directional charging. They've told nobody about this. Uh, what happened was an electrical engineer participated in a Model 3 teardown for a Tesla competitor. Uh, reverse, he reverse engineered the car's uh, electric electric car's charger and found it to be all ready for bi-directional charging. This means that the vehicle to grid is ready to be activated in Tesla's fleet. Uh, theoretically, with the owner's permission, Tesla could offer electric utilities the ability to access power from the vehicles on the network in order to offset electricity demand during peak hours. Uh, Tesla already has uh, the capacity to do this with a it's, it's, you, no one knows about it unless you're really in this industry, but it's called an auto bidder program that uh, allows electric utilities to find, buy, sell uh, electricity, essentially, uh, when they need it and when they can sell it and when they can when they need it for their for their peak times. And the auto bidder software allows them to find the, you know, the best price for it and automatically do the transactions. And Tesla gets a very small percent of it, but if you add it all up, it, it adds up to quite a bit. Right now, there are uh, there's a, there are virtual what they call virtual power plants consisting of power walls in both Australia and in Vermont. That's like got a it's like a gigantic building made of nothing but power walls, all you know, which are ba basically batteries all sandwiched together. And what those do is they help you know they can charge during the the daytime with renewables like electric like uh, like wind like wind and solar, and then they can be discharged at night. Or the, and, and they can also take the peak uh, you know the peak. Uh, capacities and and feed that back into the grid so that you're not paying the extra high prices for the peak power. So, <clears throat> so they've they've got two examples of this already going. Uh, Tesla owners would get paid by the utility for the electricity, and Tesla would get a small commission on the transaction. Now, again, nobody knew this was ready, and Tesla could simply push a software update. And enables everybody enable everybody's car, like a Model Three or a Model Y, to be able to be fed back into the grid directly from when you where you plug it in at home. It could be fed back into the grid theoretically. Uh, I have not seen it done, but you know it's certainly out there. Tesla's talked about it, it in theory in the past. They've never made a big deal about it. The guy who's the CTO is the chief technology of, uh, officer of Tesla. His name is J.B. Straubel. 
Uh, they've talked about this idea when they've been questioned about it, and they've, but they always talked about it in the abstract. Uh, it was probably going to be discussed at you know Tesla's Battery Investor Day, which, again, we don't know when that's going to happen, but you know it used to happen every year. Now we think it's going to happen in June, but again, we don't know what that's going to be. But vehicle-to-grid could be a really big deal, I think, in the future. Uh, you know, if you've got thousands and thousands of electric cars in any given market, uh, you know, plugged in and, and the you know, utility needs to uh, get some peak power fed back in, like when it's hot and people are using, you know, air conditioning and stuff, at, you know, like at three or four in the afternoon, uh, the entire fleet could feed back in and it would be a lot less expensive for the utility to buy it from the owners of, you know, Tesla vehicles rather than where they might buy it, you know, from other states or whatever else. So I think that's certainly a, you know, something that could very well happen. So it's an interesting thing that I, I, I think that's going to be very much um, anticipated by the owners of Teslas. Uh, and, and by the way, any, any, anyone can do it. I mean, it's just they have to build it into their system to do it. So it's not just Tesla that can do that. It could be any EV because the batteries are there for any EV. So I think that's a possibility. Uh, General Motors is working on what they call uh, ultra cruise hands-off driving for city streets. Um, it's an expansion of Super Cruise. Super Cruise is what they use now for highway driving. Uh, GM hasn't shared a launch date for the feature. Uh, said vehicles will be, but you know, and they haven't said which vehicles will be equipped. But Super Cruise launched in 2018 on the Cadillac CT6, and will soon germinate down to other vehicles in GM's lineup. The existence of the program came to light during a phone conversation at City's 2020 Car of the Future Symposium. It's the closest competitor to Tesla's autopilot. Uh, the Super Cruise system is said to be very, very good on the highway, but it's geofenced, which means it only works within certain parameters on certain, uh, mostly just, you know, big interstate highways. So it's an interesting system, but they haven't let it go into the wild yet. So the autopilot you can use just about anywhere, but uh, General Motors has geofenced Super Cruise. Uh, Ultra Cruise is supposed to take it down to the city streets, and you know, eventually, I'm sure that the two will merge together into one system. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's a big deal for Tesla. I mean, for uh, GM to do this. Um, Acura has set May 28th for the global virtual debut of the new TLX sedan. Uh, this is Honda. This is the uh, Honda Accord, all gussied up and made, you know, very appealing for the <clears throat> the luxury set. Uh, Acura has killed the RLX, which absolutely nobody bought. Uh, so at the end of this year, the uh, 2020 RLX goes away. Uh, I think they sold something like a thousand of them over three years. So it's not exactly a popular car. It's about exactly the same size as the TLX with almost all the same luxury features as the TLX, but it's ten dollars or $15,000 more. I can't imagine why nobody bought it. But the new TLX sedan will then will now sit at the top of the of the range for Honda, uh, you know, Acura. Uh, and so I think this is a big deal for them. It's supposed to be it's uh, I, I mean you've seen like teaser shots of it and it looks like it's a uh, you know quite wildly styled at least for 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 an Acura, um, so I think that it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Uh, but we've we've seen some you know designs and drawings and you know teaser shots, but the the the, the next one will be on May twenty eighth, which is next week, the virtual global debut, and I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more virtual debuts in the coming future. This is Todd Bianco with uh, John McMullen. You're listening to All Revved Up on I Have Radio. And we have Bring a Trailer when we come back and lots of things to talk about, John. 
That's indeed. Stay with us right here on iHub Radio.